about two weeks ago, Dave and I went to visit our newborn grandson. We uh, flew into Atlanta just for a couple days, and our daughter came home from the hospital, and she brought this little, almost nine-pound little boy home. And as I held him in my arms, I, this is the child I've been praying for, and I just marveled at the goodness of the Lord to us. Prayed that he would be a world changer and a kingdom advancer. And we celebrated his sweet little birth. I had such fun playing with my older grandson. And Dave and I went to bed that night in my daughter's house, and we were laughing as we went to bed and went right to sleep because we were, quite frankly, played out. And... Um, at about 4 a.m., I woke up, and I was extremely nauseated, and I immediately began to pray because I thought I was getting a stomach virus, and I said, Lord, please, you know, I want to visit with my grandsons, and I don't want to give them anything, and so, Lord, please, I'm just asking you to heal my body so that I, I, I don't um, give them anything, and in a second, a second, hear me say, a second. My heart was gripped with pain. When people talk about a heart attack, they describe it as a pressure or that their chest is getting crushed. <laughs> it was much greater than that. Those aren't adequate words for what you feel. And the only thing I could describe it as was a Charlie horse in my heart, and that my heart had gotten stuck in a charley horse. And I said to Dave, pray, I need you to pray for me now. I think I'm having a heart attack. And he reached over and he began to pray for me, and by that time, I started getting pain in my neck, crushing pain in my neck. And he's praying, and, and maybe 15, 20 minutes later, it passed. I don't know why I didn't go to the hospital. I, I think in my mind, I thought heart attacks were ongoing till you got to the hospital and they gave you an injection and, or you died. I just didn't know. And, but for whatever reason, we went back to sleep. We went home the two days later and I called my doctor and she's like, get to the emergency room. And she said, do you know that heart attacks are the number one killer of women? And I said, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I'm going to live and not die, and I'm going to praise, give get praise to the Lord. And she's like, Rhea, I'm not messing with you. You need to get to the hospital. And I said, no, I'd like to come see you. This was like a Friday or Saturday. I said, I'd like to come see you on Monday. And she said, no, you need to get to the hospital. Um, and I said, listen, I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have high cholesterol. I, I don't have um, diabetes. I am not at all at high risk for a heart attack. And she said, you have more stress than anybody I know. And I, I said, well, I'm not going to come in. And can you give me an appointment for Monday? And I'm, I wish I was teasing, but I'm not. This is how it happened. And um, so I went in on Monday and lots of things transpired and, and it's still, we're still working through all that, but I'm sharing that with you for one reason. Because in that moment, everything changed for me. This changed for me. 
I am telling you, uh, you, you heard me say last week, you didn't know why I was quoting it because this happened at 4 a.m. in the morning and then I was afraid to go to sleep because I thought, what if my heart stops in the middle of the night and I don't wake up this time? Dave doesn't pray this time. What, what happens? <laughs> and so I started quoting that scripture. I will both lie down and sleep in peace for it is you, O Lord, alone who makes me dwell in safety. And I would... I would quote that. I had it on my hand. It had it everywhere. I will both lie down and I will sleep in peace. For it is you alone, alone, O oh Lord, who keeps me, who makes me to dwell in safety. Can I tell you, it is not a doctor who makes you dwell in safety. It is not a husband who makes you dwell in safety. It is not a friend who makes you dwell in safety. It is not you eating the right things. Or, or exercising enough that makes you dwell in safety. It is you, O oh Lord, alone, alone, who makes us dwell in safety. Can I just tell you, he is Lord. And every breath you take, every breath I take, is a gift from him. It is a grace from him. He graces me to take the next breath. And when he decides it is my last day here on earth, my, the grace to take the next breath will be gone from me. And I felt it. It was pain. Like I can't even tell you. The heart that I had taken for granted that was beating blood through my system, just in a moment, everything changed. Leslie and I pray together every morning, and one of the things we pray constantly is examine me, Lord, and see if there's any wicked way in me. I knew there was some wicked ways in me. There still are a ton of wicked ways in me, but I was dealing with some things in my life that I really kind of justified, and I had a right to, and, and the Lord in that moment said, you know, all those things you're holding on to <laughs> in that moment didn't matter one bit. All that mattered was, Lord, am I going to come to you? Am I, gonna, am I ready to come to you? All that mattered was, oh my goodness, I'm going to die, and it's in my daughter's house, and she's celebrating a newborn baby, Lord. Certainly that's not you. In a moment, everything changed. And I am just telling you that this life you're living is borrowed time. It's borrowed time. And we have got to begin examining our hearts and asking ourselves why we're holding on to stuff we're holding on to. Why things even matter that, that we are making this huge priority in life and we're all offended and, and we're so, this happened to me 10 years ago and I can't move, move beyond it. You get to breathe. You get to have life. You get to serve the Lord while you're here. I don't, I don't even know where we're going here, but I'm following the Lord, and I just want to tell you what I read this week. Finally, all of you, all, every one of us, be of one mind. That's a picture of unity, of having the same mind, of being unified. Without unity, the Spirit of the Lord can't move. I don't care how great your preacher is and on Sunday morning. I don't care how super religious you are. If you attend a Bible study and prayer meeting all week, 
without unity, the Spirit of the Lord cannot move. The Bible says that unity is like the oil running down Aaron's beard. Brothers dwelling in unity together. That's where the Spirit of the Lord can move. We spend, goodness, the time we waste on offense, on hurt feelings, on they said this to me and I didn't like the tone they used, or <laughs> keeping records of wrongs. He says, finally, all of you be of one mind, to think the same thing, to, to be like-minded, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, love like a brother, not like an acquaintance, not like enemies. Love each other like brothers. Be tender-hearted. It, it means, uh, 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 you know, you, you, you're ten, your heart is tender towards somebody. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous. <laughs> be, be friendly of mind is what that means. Not returning evil for evil. Or reviling for reviling. Some of your translations would say insult for insult. That's retaliation. I'm going to get you back. You did this to me. I'm going to get you back. Don't return evil for evil or, or insult for insult. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this. That word blessing is where we get our word eulogy. It, it means to speak well of somebody, to, 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 to bless them, to, 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 to not be gossiping about them, but to bless them, to speak well of them. It means to evoke God's, invoke God's blessing upon them. It's in the present tense. It means that we're continually to eulogize others to bless them, praying for their welfare, their protection, pitying them, not returning evil to them. Not, not, that word evil means abusive speech. It means slander. It means a biting remark. It means just being nasty. I see you, but I'm going to walk by you and pretend I don't see you. What is up with that, church? Life is too short for this kind of stuff. We must stop it. It's too short. He said, stop returning. And that word returning is so fascinating. And forgive me, these are just my notes, and I, if nothing is in order here. But, but that word returning is, um, it means to pay or give back, implying a debt was made. So when you treated me evil, when you used abusive speech to me, well, when you said something that was slanderous about me, you acquired a debt, and I'm paying you back. I'm, I'm getting payment, and here is the payment coming back to you. I'm going to return evil for evil, insult for insult. Peter says, don't, don't get caught up in that. Bless. Bless them. Speak well of them. Invoke God's Father. And that doesn't mean that you say something nasty to me, and I'm going to just be fake and say something kind back. That's not what that means. That means I'm going to pray for your well-being. That means if somebody says, did you hear what they say to you? You say, you know what? They're fighting their own battle here. Something must be going on in their life. They must have so much pain. Let's pray for them right now. Let, let's ask God to just bless them and to heal that broken part in their life. And Do, do you understand? You're not going to repay evil for evil or insult for insult. We're going to bless the daylights out of you. Because here's why. Listen to this. He says... 
uh, on the contrary, blessing, knowing, being aware of this, that you were called to this, that, so that you may inherit a blessing. So in other words, when I refuse to repay insult for insult or, or evil for evil, and instead I bless the socks off of you, that's an automatic promise from God that I'm going to inherit a blessing. It's coming back to me. And I've told you so many times, we've got to stop looking at this world in the natural and start realizing that it's a spiritual world. There's a spiritual realm that's being affected by what we do in the natural. And when I speak evil uh, back to you in response, I lose my blessing. I lose my blessing. I read today, uh, I read this passage, I, I've been saying to the Lord, I've been talking to him about all of this health stuff and why he's allowing it in my life and because there is nobody there is nobody that believes in healing more than this girl right here and I'm like why are you allowing this stuff in my life what are you trying to teach me the Lord has made up his mind to oppose evildoers and I thought well I'm not an evildoer evil but that word evildoer it doesn't mean that I'm wicked it means that I do evil that I do wrong that I'm I say nasty things that I, 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 I do evil things, <laughs> hurtful things. The, the word actually means baneful or destructive. And when I participate in that, I set myself up in a place where the Lord will oppose me. Do you know why he wants to hear why he'll oppose that? Because he doesn't want to do it. And, and he wants to make me so miserable that I'll begin to look at it in my life and repent of that thing and get right with him again. He opposes those who do evil. But listen to this. The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain, and he's always ready to restore the repentant one. So he's going to oppose those who, who do evil. Who, he'll oppose evildoers, but his heart is ready to restore the repentant one. The one who says, I, I want to repay evil for evil. I want to nail them with insult because I'm telling you, I know how to do that. I have a temper. You do not want to mess with me. I think on my feet, I can shoot you down quicker than you can even imagine. Uh, anger, somebody was talking to me about an angry person, and I'm like, angry people are weak. They use their anger to keep that person small. They know if they get angry, you won't oppose them, and you'll stay small, and they win. The last thing you want to do for an angry person is let them make you small. It's just a weak, it's a weak, it's weak. It's not strength. It's a weakness, and it's ugly. He opposes the evildoer, but he, oh, he's ready to restore the repentant one. And so well, when we are evil, we have, well, we're angry. And when we come at people with that anger, and, and I don't know why I even said that. It doesn't even make sense to me now. So, Lord, bring me back into to, to where I was going with this. This is what happens when you don't have notes. <laughs> evil doers. All right. So he's, he's always ready to restore the repentant one. And so he makes you miserable. He opposes you. He, he makes you miserable. And that's what he did to me. He made me miserable enough, and I kept saying, no, I have a right. I'm justified. Certainly you understand this, Lord, for years. And then I realized how quickly my life can go. And I was like, okay, now you have my attention. 
Can we talk about this? And I just began to, to just seek the Lord. My daughter called me, uh, and she said, Mama, I was talking to the Lord, and she said, who am I to say this to you? But she said, the Lord told me that what's going on in your life right now is related to repentance. And she said, Mom, I'm sorry if that offends you. She said, because I said to the Lord, nobody's kinder than you, nobody's sweeter than you. And she said, Mom, does that mean anything to you? <laughs> and I said, Ricky, let me read this to you. He's always ready to restore the repentant, that he will oppose the evildoer. She's like, Mom, you're not evil. And I said, Ricky, I've allowed some things in my life that I've justified. So I set before him and and I tell you all this, I don't even know why I'm telling all of this, because I, I don't have a sermon, so you're going to hear it. But listen to this. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life, and see good days. Anybody love life and want to see good days? Here's the answer. Let him refrain his tongue from evil. And that word refrain, it, it's really interesting. It means to cease and desist. I have cops for sons. I know what cease and desist mean. It means uh, to, to pause. It, it means to, to stop doing something that, that's already in progress. And, and so if you want to see good life and, and, and see good days, let him refrain, let him stop, let him come to an end uh, of his tongue speaking evil. And that word evil, it's like I said, it's not the evil that we think it is. It, it is it's just a word that basically denotes uh, destructive, damaging, unjust words, slanderous words. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil. And that means to, to deviate, to avoid, to shun. I was raised in rural Pennsylvania and we have Amish. I don't know if, if you know what the Amish are like, but I'm not talking about Amish like you see on TV. I'm talking about the Amish that don't let you uh, film them. So you've never seen Amish if you've looked at them on TV. These are horse and buggy, you know, sit in my dad's kitchen and watch the horse and buggies go down the street. I mean, that's where I came from. And, and so I, I know Amish. <laughs> and, and, you know, the Amish have this thing that they call shunning. If one of their children does something that doesn't line up biblically, talk about law, doesn't line up biblically or uh, isn't in their religion, they will shun that, that, that child. And it is not a fun thing to be shunned in the Amish community because nobody talks to you. You could be face-to-face -face with somebody and they'll turn their back on you and pretend you weren't there. You can be talking to them and, and it's like you weren't even in the room. They, they know how to shun. They know how to ignore and pretend you don't even exist. This word means to shun. If you want to see good days and love life, you're going to shun evil and do good. And that word do good, it means to pursue it, to go after it. You're going to do good. You're going to be intentional about doing good to other people. He says, let them seek peace and pursue it. That word peace, for those of you who weren't here last week, it, it, this is the same word we, we studied about last week. 
word, seek, it's a hunting term. And it means it's a picture of a hunter who, who will do everything he can to go out and pursue the animal he's after. He'll go to great extremes to capture that animal and shoot it down. That, that he's pursuing that animal to, to, to obtain it and make it his. Seek peace. And pursue it. And that word peace is shalom. It's what we talked about last week. And we talked about peace being so much more than, than just that word peace. It means well-being. It means wholeness. It means happy. It means favor. It means security. It means to prosper, to be victorious, to be content. Oh, anybody want to be content? To be tranquil, to be quiet, to be restful, to be safe, to be in health. We think of peace as an absent from problems, but that's not the biblical definition. Biblical definition is not the absence of problems, but the overall well-being and goodness even in the midst of problems. But last week we talked, Don, is there any way, or Lynn, whoever's back there, is there any way we can pull up that slide from last week? Do we still have it? Um, and, and I talked last week about the Hebrew word for shalom being a pictograph. And not everybody's a fan of pictographs, but this one was profound for me. And, and how the, 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 the word shalom is made up of four letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And, and the first letter, Don, do we think we have it? Oh, he is so good. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for him. Um, the Hebrew uh, language is read from... Uh, uh, um, right to left instead of left to right, like our language. And, and, and this word, shalom, is made up of four Hebrew letters. The first is called the shin. The shin looks like two teeth, is what it looks like. And it means to crush, to destroy, to devour. The next letter is um, lamed, and it looks like a shepherd's staff, and it means authority or control. And the next letter is Vav, and it's like a tent peg, and, and it means to attach to, um, to secure. And the last letter is Mim, and it looks like waves, and it means chaos. And when you put all those words together, the pictograph means this, that shalom or peace means destroying the authority attached to chaos. Are you with me? Destroying the authority attached to chaos. When God's peace comes, that chaos that the enemy brought into your life is destroyed. All right? So this passage is saying if you desire to have good life, he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Let him seek shalom and pursue it. Let him hunt shalom down. I am not going to return evil for evil or insult for insult because I have decided life is too short and I'm going to see my Jesus before I want to. And then even at their very best, life will be a vapor and I need to start living my life like I really believe that. And instead of returning evil for what you just did to me, instead of returning insult for what you just did to me, I'm going to not keep a record of that. And instead, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to seek peace and destroy it. And in the process of seeking peace, I am going to destroy destroy the authority 
the authority, I'm going to destroy the authority that has now bound me to chaos. Because when I am returning evil for evil, insult for insult, I'm bringing chaos in my life. And I'm going to cut the tie with that. I'm refraining. I'm shunning that thing. And I'm going to instead seek peace and hunt it down. I'm going to hunt it down. He's quoting in 1 Peter 3, he's quoting Psalm 35 or 34. Let me just read it to you in a different translation. Some of you, this is a translation. I don't think, I, I think it's more paraphrased, but it doesn't matter. I like the verbiage and I don't care if you don't listen to this. <laughs> Even the strong and the wealthy grow weak and hungry. But those who passionately pursue the Lord will never lack any good thing. Come, children of God, and listen to me. I'll share the lesson I've learned on fearing the Lord. Can I tell you? <laughs> I've learned a lesson these last two weeks about fearing the Lord. I can't even tell you how clear it is to me that we are living on borrowed time. And that none of us have a guarantee of tomorrow. And how we live today matters. It matters. I really don't care what you think about me. Here's what I know. I'm going to stand before the, before the Lord. The Bible says that every man will stand before the Lord and have to give account. You say, well, Rita, saved by grace. Scripture, take it up with him. I'm going to have to give account. And, and people say, well, that's a good account. I'm going to, you know, the, the reward. Well, then I want lots of reward. I'm, I am, I'm a vicious game board player. Like, I love to win. I love it. I want reward. Because the Bible says that we're going to get crowns, and all we're going to do is throw them at his feet. But here's what I want to tell you. It's the only thing I have to give back to him. I can't give him anything. I can give him my praise, and it's really pathetic. But, but, but someday I'm going to get crowns, and I'm going to be able to say, this belongs to you. I'm throwing it at your feet. This is the only thing I can give back to you. Come, children of God, and listen, and listen to me. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Down at the bottom there, the, that's the picture. John, do we have the, the next one? Oh, no, go back to the other one. I see it there. Destroy the authority connected to chaos and confusion. You read it backwards. Thank you, Don. Uh, come, children of God, and listen to me. I'll share the lesson I learned on fearing the Lord. <laughs> do you want to live a long, good life, enjoying the beauty that fills each day? Then never speak a lie. Or allow wicked words to come out of your mouth. Keep turning your back on every sin. And make peace your life motto. Practice being at peace with everyone. The Lord sees all we do. He watches over his friends day and night. His godly ones receive the answers they seek whenever they cry out to him. But the Lord has made up his mind to oppose evildoers and to wipe out even the memory of them from the face of the earth. Yet when holy lovers of God cry out to him with all their hearts, 
The Lord will hear them and come to rescue them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain, and he's always ready to restore the repented. Keep turning your back on every sin. Make shalom your life motto. Practice being at peace with everyone. Because when I'm returning evil for evil or insult for insult, when I'm being nasty or unkind, when I'm being angry and losing my temper, when I'm being jealous and envious, I'm putting my myself in a place, a position to be opposed by God. And I'm inviting the authority of chaos and confusion to bind me. Bind me to that chaos and that confusion and make me miserable. But when I, when I seek peace and I pursue it at all costs, I destroy the authority connected to chaos and confusion. Do you see it? I have been telling you for a couple weeks, I, the Lord gave me this, this scripture and I've been praying it people I love dearly. And I just keep thinking about it. I can't get it far. It's never far from my mind. I don't feel like the Lord is done teaching me about it. But I want to share it with you again tonight. And then I'll close. I've told you what I want to tell you. Those who are in opposition to you. He's talking about those in op opposition to us. He says, servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, not resentful, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. So he's talking about people who come at us in opposition. He's saying, pray, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, that they would come to their senses that they would escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Immediately after saying that, he talks about the last time, the last days, and how we're in it. Anybody that's in opposition to you, anybody that's making your life miserable, anybody that's angry or unkind or is, is insulting you or who's saying evil, nasty things to you, Pray for them, that they would have a spirit that God would grant them, because I'm just telling you, to have a repentance is granted by God, because I'm telling you, you can be hardened and blind. My, my daughter, who called me and said, Mom, can we talk about repentance? I said, baby girl, here's what I'm learning. Guard your heart. Guard it. <laughs> and I, I don't mean guard it the way we translate that word guard. We think you hurt me, I'm guarding my heart against you. I'm going to put a wall up. I'm going to keep a distance from you. Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. That's how we look at guarding our heart. That's not the way God looks at guarding our heart. He says, above all else, everything else in this whole wide world, guard your heart. Watch what you're allowing to come into it. Watch how you're hardening it when you go through insults, when you go through evil, when people hurt you, when people do you dirty. Don't you dare allow that to affect your heart. Don't let it in. Guard your heart from 
that. Guard your heart from bitterness. Guard your heart from anger. Guard your heart from offense. Guard it. That's not getting in there because that will make me return evil for evil and insult for insult. And I will live in chaos and confusion because I haven't destroyed the authority that has bound me to that. And I do that when I come under the enemy's authority instead of God's authority. And God says, Rhea, you seek peace and you pursue it no matter what they're doing to you. That is the only way to break off the chaos and the confusion. Guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. For out of it flow the issues of life. Some of you know that scripture, the wellspring of life. I like the issues of life. Because when you haven't guarded your heart and you become evil, I could go through this room right now and pick out the angry, bitter people. Because when you don't guard your heart, <laughs> all the issues of life flow out of it. Bitterness, anger, hatred, mean, spiteful, nasty, jealous. Why do we want that stuff? If, is what somebody did to you back there worth that? Let me tell you, 4 o'clock in the morning, bam, your life could be over. I am positive that the Lord allowed this to happen to me to give me a greater passion to preach harder of how quickly life can be over. Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. Can I tell you that any issue you have in your life right now, I promise you, it's because you let something in your heart you shouldn't have let in. If you are in out of fellowship with somebody, if you're in conflict, and you say, no, Rhea, mm -mm. you just don't want to see it because you're deceived by the pride of your heart. Because love covers a multitude of wrongdoing. Good overcomes evil every single And here's what happens. When somebody opposes you, pray that God gives them a spirit of repentance and that they would know the truth and that they would come to their senses and be set free from the snare of the enemy after being taken captive to do his will. Do you want to be taken captive to do his will? Do you want to be a tool that the enemy gets to use? not, guard your mouth from speaking evil and your tongue from speaking deceit. Stop returning evil for evil and insult for insult. And instead, pursue peace. Pursue it at all costs. Hunt that baby down. Because in doing so, you destroy the authority connected to chaos and How's that for vomiting? Questions? Any questions? Powerful stuff, isn't it? Or is it just not? You didn't just about have a heart attack and die, so maybe it's not powerful <laughs> stuff to you. <laughs> I get up in the morning, tapes like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, it's a good day to be alive! 
in our thoughts. Because if we give entrance to the thought, it is actually more powerful than we speak it because we come into agreement and it dwells. And it, it gets in the way of the Holy Spirit being able to counsel us out of it. So don't just worry about your speech. Be mindful of the thoughts. There you go. Very good. Yeah, I mean, we teach our guys three-second rule. You have three seconds to get rid of that thing. Um, otherwise, it'll find a, a way of embedding and getting in there. Great. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Anybody else? Yes. John. Let me give you this. Nobody misses it. How are you, brother? <laughs> Good. Thank you. Um, the fear of the Lord. <laughs> you know, I heard that. I've heard it so many times. And fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord. And what helped me to understand that was... Uh, to take the Lord seriously. And it, so every time I hear that now, I think that. Take the Lord seriously. Because if you don't, then, you know, what's going to happen? Very good. Um, John Bevere just wrote a new book. Leslie, can, do you know the title? It just is being released. The All of God. Um, John Bevere just wrote a book on the fear of God, um, the fear of the Lord. And uh, we got it because we're on a team of people to to preview it, but I think it comes out this month sometime. Um, it's supposed to be super good. We'll let you know. But um, I think, John, you're right. We don't understand the fear of the Lord. Um, we really don't. And here's the thing. Let me tell you about the Lord. He's so gracious. He is so long-suffering. I can't even tell you the number of times. Like this thing that I've, I'm going through, I'm like, thank you for being so long-suffering with me. Thank you for being so loving, so patient with me. Thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> He's so gracious. Is he not just so gracious? He's so kind. He's so loving. He's so loving. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let me pray for you. Father, I am so grateful for this family. Thank you for the way they love you. And they come here week after week to meet with you. Thank you for those online, Lord God, who are always so positive and so encouraging, and they tune in week after week to meet with you. I pray you bless them as well. But Father, we want to understand you better. We want to know you better. I thank you that you are gracious and compassionate, that you are long-suffering, that you are so good. But Lord, in your kindness, you bring us to this place of repentance. And Lord, I just thank you for it. I thank you for your word that it's living, it's active, and it never returns void. I thank you that it's the entrance of your word that brings life to us. And Father, I pray that you would do what I heard you say you're going to do for Connor, that you would do for all of us, that you'd take us up higher, that you'd take us in deeper. Lord, we want to know you better. We want to know you better. Lord, I'm not interested in what everybody else knows about you. I want the secret things of God. I want riches stored in secret places. So take us in deeper, Lord God. Give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that we might know you better. We love you, Lord. We give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.